I hope it is as gorgeous there as it is here. You are listening to the Faith FM Breakfast Show this morning, broadcasting to you live from Newcastle, New South Wales. We're in the studio this morning with Blair. Morning, Blair. Good morning. How are you? So good. I'm so grateful that you're here, dude. Because I know you possibly could have had options. Because you, yeah, you, you could have been in a hospital helping your wife give birth, but thankfully she hasn't yet. And I'm really grateful about that. <laughs> I don't want to do the show by myself. So thanks for coming in. That's nah, good to be here. Yeah, is she is she all right? Your wife? How's she, she doing? Is, yeah, she's very tired and um, getting yeah, feeling like she'd love to have the baby out. Yeah, getting um, that over it part. Yeah, yeah, bless her heart. Yeah. Whole thing. I have no idea what that's like, but I send my commissaries. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is a great day here. Uh, you're with Mon and Blair filling in for uh, Young Lawson. Hey, do you know what? Keep Young Lawson in prayer. He's he's doing his degree. He's chugging away at that uh, theology degree. And even though he is the youngest of the Faith FM team, he is still technically a mature age student. And <laughs> mature age student. That's technically, good. he is. That's what they're called. And uh, and being someone who has uh, previously returned to learning, and as you know, later in life, I know how hard it is to get your brain to kick back into gear and to study. You have returned to learning as well later, haven't you? Yeah, it's, it's it is a juggle. Yeah, especially yeah. when you got work commitments, study commitments, that's right. all of that. Family so. commitments. So yeah. When life starts, and then you try and study in that mix, it's a bit rough. Yeah. So hey, keep Lawson in prayer. Let's pray him through this theology degree, and then hopefully one day on air we'll be able to refer to him as Pastor Lawson. Ooh. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, it's going to be good that day. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Did you notice the fog this morning coming in? It was thick and heavy. Wasn't it great? Yeah, I love it. How did you manage that on a motorcycle? I came on my car today. Oh, okay, radio. Yeah, you made a smart move. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. What a beautiful song that was. Thanks, DJ Shell, for picking out that one. We're loving that one. DJ Shell is back with us. And her busted shoulder is here with us too. Praise the Lord. They're in one piece. <laughs> hey, let's do the, the quiz this morning. I'm struggling to find the quiz card. I might have that's got, I've you've got it. it. You've yeah, got that's, it. That's, that's, that's why right. I gave it. it to you. Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. <laughs> oh, hit us with it. All right. So this is another Who Am I quiz. And as always, uh, we're going to give you a, a harder clue at first. And it's going to get easier as we go through the show. And if you get the right answer straight away... You get more entries into the prize, which we're actually drawing today. today. So that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. So the first clue is this. At the age of 62, I took over as king after Belshazzar was slain. Ooh. If you think you know the answer to that, you can text it into 0491064669 and you can get your name in the draw to win our Jungle Doctor book series. We've got three books on offer and they're great missionary stories from Dr. Paul White from his time in Africa and you want to get your hands on them. There's six to choose from. Correct. And you get three of them. Are we allowing them to choose which ones they want? Yeah, that's. I th- I think we may choose them or maybe they choose them. I'm not too sure about that. Do you know what? Sure Let's just let that. them choose them. Why not? Yeah, we'll just... Yeah. No, I'm getting the shake. No. Depends on what's in stock as well. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But either which way, you'll be getting three of them, which is great. But you know what? That clue kind of reminds me of the recent coronation. <laughs> Someone else <laughs> became king pretty late well, yeah, in life. yeah, it's topical, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, that's right on point, really. So let, let me give it to you again. At the age of 62, I took over as king after Belshazzar was slain. If you think you know the answer, you can text or call through 0491064669. That's a hard one. If it's the one that I'm thinking of, it's a difficult one this morning. It's a good it's a good one to go out with for the week. <laughs> Get everyone ready for Sabbath tomorrow. I think Belshazzar kinda of gives it away a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Hey, if you look it up in the dot in the Bible, 
go ahead. We, we won't tell on you. Hey, I've got some really cool news, actually, Blair. This is so amazing. I, I was hanging out with two of my girlfriends last night and we were discussing this um, <clears throat> because, excuse me, I've just recently uh, had to start buying winter shoes. So I don't know if you heard, but uh, last year my home burnt down and I lost all my stuff. And yeah. so I've only slowly started to replace things as I needed them. And closed in winter shoes has been the, the one at the moment because I hadn't had any. My feet were starting to get cold in my summer sandals. And I was discussing this with my girlfriends. And I told them how I um, something really sweet happened to me um, earlier this week where I had um, I was missing my favorite jumper. It was this pink fluffy jumper with like multicolored flex in it. And I really liked it. And, uh, and I thought, you know what, it's a long shot because it was years ago, but let me email the shop that I, where I purchased it and see if they still had it. And I still I had a picture of this charred lump of what the jumper ended up becoming. And so you still see the material, the fabric, and so I thought that'll help them, you know, know which jumper I'm talking about to see if they maybe have it coming in this winter. And so I emailed the picture to the shop. It's just a little boutique. They have like three locations here in Newcastle. They're not a big store or anything. And I asked them, I said, I know this is a long shot, but do you still have any of this stock or would you possibly be ordering it in? And I attached the picture and I apologized for the, the morbid photograph. And they emailed back and they said, well, we weren't going to order it in, but we're going to order it in for you. Wow. And they literally reopened an old line just for me. So now this jumper will be available for like many people to buy, which is just so sweet. And I was discussing with my girlfriends just the random acts of kindness of strangers and uh, and how this, like if you look for it, there's so many strangers doing acts of kindness without any prompting really just to help each other out. And this piece of good news is just incredible because scientists have actually been studying small acts of kindness and discovered that not only are they universal, that it is the global study, but it turns out on average people help each other every two minutes. Do you know how they have those stats about how frequently babies are born, how frequently yeah, yeah. someone dies? Every two minutes, someone's doing an act of kindness around the I mean, world. that's that's awesome. That's a beautiful... I, had, I would have thought, like, yeah, maybe a couple a day, but every two minutes, just amazing. So they did this study on five continents, and um, <laughs> which is just amazing. Uh, it, was, it was a group of sociologists. They were actually wanting to understand the root of any kind of human behavior, uh, first of all, and, uh, and you know what it is that makes people respond to that sort of call for help, uh, even if um, the call isn't delivered verbally, and uh, and how much of their response is influenced by nature and how much of it is influenced by nurture. And so they have all these, you know, they were studying, looking at other ex- um, expressions like kindness, generosity, anger, curiosity, whether or not they're amplified or trampled down by a culture a person grows up in and how much is sort of, I don't know, almost just built into the human and so, and so they were looking at particularly kindness and cooperation. This was by UC Los Angeles, and they observed everyday interactions between strangers and relations to see how often they helped each other. They actually videoed um, large streets, large roads in places like Tanzania, Papua New Guinea, um, Italy, Australia, Ecuador, Laos, Ghana, England, um, Russia, Poland, like uh, ab- actually Aboriginal Australia. They um, just videoed just hours and hours of everyday footage, uh, sorry, of footage in everyday life in towns and these locations. So fascinating to think, you know, somewhere out there someone put out a camera and then scientists just watched, just watched people walking around the street. But they came up with some really valuable insights into human social organisation. 
Um, and they even watched things like, you know, some villages, uh, you know, where they where they eat whales, and so that they would they would have a whale kill, but then they had to divide it amongst dozens of people to you know to share it out. And just watching the kindness, the little tiny acts of kindness, as you know, they gave a bigger portion to their mm. friend. This kind of stuff. Or that's like ultimate people watching. It, it totally is right, <laughs> and I like, but I like the, uh, the the focus on the kindness. I feel like that's a really positive kind of people watching, and um, you know, and then you have something uh, as di- you know different as like watching uh, workers do road construction uh, in like a in a in like a first world country and seeing how the workers interact with each other and help each other out, and uh, it's really really cool, um, you know. And they they also looked at. Instances I'm where glad people- they included the working construction people <laughs> in that because, you know, often they get a bit of a tough rap for just they standing do. around and not doing much. But here they are being watched and they're actually doing kind things <laughs> yeah, for each yeah. other. That's fantastic. So they, they registered things like signals for help, such as asking if someone could pass them, like, uh, you know, pass them an object. Um, uh, and then also, like, if they were struggling to lift things was a big one. Um, and I actually found that one as well because I manage an op shop here in Newcastle, the Raymond Terrace Missions op shop. And every morning I set up the front of the store, I drag all the furniture out and I set it all up and then I drag it back in in the, in the evening and pretty much every single day <clears throat> someone will offer to help me. They're like, oh, do you need help with that couch? Um, and, it's, it, and it's men and women helping, um, offering to help, so it's not any one which way. But I was thinking about this in, you know, in terms of the Bible, like these scientists were trying to figure out what the origin was like where is this origin of people trying to help each other like is it something that they were you know taught to do or is it something that just comes within them and i i tend to think it you know kindness has a really good root origin in the bible ephesians 4:32 says be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in christ just as in christ god forgave you and uh especially when the bible talks about storing up your treasures in heaven i tend to think that this is one of the treasures that you can store up and uh, because, you know, Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deeds. So it's something that you can do to, to store up your treasures in heaven. And Galatians 6.10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What I would love to know is how different the study would have been had they studied a group of Christians? Mm. Like, had they been looking at, like, my church or your church or just our religion, in, our particular religion in, in general, what would they have found? Like, would they have found that we were kinder than, like, a, a, a village dissecting a whale kill? Or We'd pray so. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> Amen, you'd pray so. That's right. You're, that's right. So, yeah, this really made me think about if someone was, a, a group of scientists were studying me, if they were viewing me, would they find that I'm, that I'm a kind person. So, yeah, I, mean, I had all kinds of deep questions. Yeah, that's quite, quite reflective. I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, ask yourself that. I do have the fruit of the Spirit. You know, kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit, along with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, that's from Galatians 5. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have our second clue for our All clues. right. Who am I? I issued a decree forbidding to pray to any God or man except for me for 30 days. Oh, wow. Okay. That's really narrowing it down, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're, getting, we're getting right there. If you've listened to your children's story books when you were a young one, uh, this is one of the fave stories. Yeah, nice. 
So, yeah, if you think you know the answer to that, if you know who this is, you can call or text the answer to 0491 and get your name in the draw to win three of our Jungle Doctor series books. Yes, and today is the last, today. Yes, the last opportunity today. This quiz is it. Get in, you could win. That's right. Mm. So, good on you. We hope you can submit that and get, get, in, get your name in the draw. And you really just need one chance to get in there and win. You, you do. You don't have to have like a week's worth of chances. Just one can do it. Hey, what's happening around the world, Blair? Mate, we have some breaking news. And, oh, I'm excited to get into our stories today. Uh, a couple of stories we're going to tackle. We're going to look at the Milk Wars. Oh, yes. Yeah, the Milk Wars. And also some shenanigans that are taking place down in Victoria with um, efforts to expel uh, some uh, some Liberal MPs, more redeeming, and also some lockdown uh, developments, which we thought were a thing of the past, right? I'm, I'm like, and they still are, don't worry. <laughs> but, like my brain's glitching. Did some, you just say lockdown? <laughs> some data coming out about the lockdowns. It's quite fascinating. Um, so we, we're going to get into that. But first, uh, the, um, uh, the the Milk Wars, right? I'm so into this. The Milk Wars. So in, in a really boss move, Oatly, which of course is one of the leading plant-based milk brands in... Around the place in yeah, the world, in the would you world. Say? Yeah, I want yeah. to say the world. Yeah, the yeah, US okay. based. We'll yeah. go for that. Uh, Oatly has offered to pay for the da- for dairy ads, the dairy industry ads, if the industry reveals its climate footprint. And so, this is really <laughs> funny story. So basically, uh, Oatly has purchased a whole stack of ads in key newspapers, New York Times, um, a whole bunch of uh, LA Times, Washington Post. And also some major billboards in Hollywood region and Times Square in New York. Wow. So they've gone big with this advertising campaign, right? To get and and what they've done is they've they've bought an ad where they they reveal their climate footprint, uh-huh. uh, the, the impact that their company and the development of oat milk and their milks has on uh, the environment. And then they've bought a blank ad directly next door to their ad, and they've left it blank. And they've said, uh, we're, we're donating this one, this blank ad, to the dairy industry so they can tell you their climate footprint numbers as well. Oh, that is brilliant, Mark. Wow. That is spicy, so- right? <laughs> that is and so, And so what the dairy industry have to do is go onto this, this independent website where they answer the same questions that Oatly answered to get their footprint number. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they do so, they can get put into that premium ad space in all of these uh, high-flying positions. But I'd... Something tells me I don't think they're going to be filling that in. No. Um, the, uh, the consumption of animals and animal byproducts is the largest um, effector of, of pollution on the planet. Animal right. agriculture is the worst thing we've done That's right. to the and, planet. And it's, it's well known. Even the most um, uh, least sustainable plant-based milks, soy milk and, and those sorts of things, are more sustainable, more friendly on the environment mm-hmm. than the most sustainable Dairy That's right. based milk. It's even it's even more sustainable than someone just having a backyard cow and milking their own cow and bringing it in for their own dairy and just having one cow for a family. Soy milk is even more sustainable than that. Could you believe? Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, methane emissions, um, some of the deforestation that is often connected with the, these industries. And so, yeah, the the, the plant based milk company Oatly is really taking aim. I'm yeah. loving this. It's yeah. good on them. Now, now this comes hot on the heels of a, uh, I, I suppose you could say, a count or the, the the first shots were fired from the dairy industry. Uh huh. So there was because they're feeling the pinch. They're absolutely right. feeling the money go down. They're feeling the pinch, and the fa- the the 
metaphorical f- flames were fanned recently uh-huh. with uh, a Got Milk campaign, Got Milk styled campaign, where Audrey Plaza, uh, an actor, starring actor, was put in an ad that made fun of plant-based milks, calling them wood milk, and and um, and and made the line. Uh, is this real? Is this wood milk milk real? And then said, no, only real milk is real. And so there was a whole big uh, <laughs> uh, big advertising video and campaign that was connected to that. It, was, it received quite a lot of backlash from on social media and those sorts of things uh, as a bit tone deaf, missing the mark. I just want to uh, say I watched that when it first launched on social media and I was absolutely astounded. I have never in my life seen such backlash. It actually was one moment where I was actually proud of humanity because I went and read the comments um, so Audrey Plaza got such backlash, she actually had to switch off the comment section so no one could like, re- respond to the video. So people just moved to her latest post, the one beneath it, to voice their opinions. There were tens and tens of thousands of comments. And I thought to myself, I'm going to scroll and read them until I find one in support of her and her decision. I scrolled for an hour. I read thousands of comments and not one was in support of this. Wow. <laughs> I was so- Wow. So flat. Well, you know, it's a lot of the younger generation on these platforms. Yeah, because they're all saying, why would I drink this when it gives me like IBS or lactose intolerance or, you know, bad skin? Like, health issues, totally. So many health And we're waking up to it. And, uh, and you know, dairy has even been linked with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And the, thankfully, the younger generations, at least one thing that they're, you know, getting right is they're becoming aware of this and moving away from big dairy. Mm. And of course, the climate is something to be mindful of. I'm not mm. really a fan of the alarmism, climate alarmism right. that Yep. see out there but mm-hmm. uh, but you know I I, ha- I I have a plant-based diet I, I live a life that's quite a low footprint on um, on the environment and certainly we do see here that this is uh, the younger generations coming up and through are giving a lot more attention to this sort of right. thing mm-hmm. so yeah interesting interesting development in the in the milk wars we'll see how the rest of that plays out <laughs> Very spicy. I'm loving it. <laughs> hey, but another breaking news story from Victoria. Of course, Melbourne was one of the most locked down cities in the whole world and had some of the harshest restrictions in the world. And the Victorian government has just agreed to pay $5 million to public housing residents over a Melbourne lockdown in 2020 uh, in, in government housing facilities where they were locked in their homes for two weeks without being able to leave. This is government housing, and it was a very quick snap lockdown. Of course... Uh, this is a class action lawsuit that was brought against them. And to settle the lawsuit, they've said, we'll pay you $5 million and to keep it out of court, uh, to, to, to kind of to hush, hush the situation, right? Wow. So, I mean, on one level, this is an admission that the lockdowns were far too harsh. Yes, yep. And that's, that's good news mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, those, those lockdowns in the name of health did many mental health issues. So and, you many. know, there was a lot of, lot of controversy. That's going to be the last, the, the, the longest, um, the longest lasting effects of it will be the mental health issues well, that's coming right. out of um, COVID. That's right. And, um, you know, so there was many sensible voices suggesting that there may have been other ways of dealing with the issues. Um, however, without getting into that big debate, um, this here, many of the, the participants in this class action have said, look, we, we don't actually want to accept the money. We're not going to accept this settlement. We want an apology. Oh, wow. An apology is worth more than money. We want an apology from the Dan Andrews government to say, mm-hmm. that was wrong what we did, 
and we were wrong to lock you up in that fashion and in that way. They weren't even allowed to go out and go get their groceries. Um, it was a snap lockdown wow. that happened on the day in this particular Is it $5 situation. million per person? Or no, it no. Million? It's a, between the class action. It ends up only being about $1,600 per resident. Oh. So not that much really. Um, so I mean, I'll still take the money, but yeah. <laughs> I want an apology and the cash. Well, these, these, uh, some of them probably would, would accept it. There's about 3,000 um, residents residing in these nine towers yeah. that was mm-hmm. in the area that was being, uh, that is in part of this class action. Uh, but it, I'll be interested to see if other class actions emerge of yeah, some of the absolutely. human rights abuses that took place at that time. And certainly, um, this has been investigated, investigated by, an ombud, the ombudsman, and they have found uh, the, the the government found that there was some human rights breaches that took place, and so this is where the government, uh, the Dan Andrews government, is being willing to settle for this amount. So, interesting story. I'm still out. surprised there aren't more stories coming out of uh, businesses being sued for you know letting people go over vaccine and COVID issues. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's going to be interesting coming up. Wow. Good. Do you know what? I hope they get their apology. I have always been astounded why governments find it so hard to admit they, they stuffed up and just apologise. How hard can it be? Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Now, oh, we don't. Ha- we're not going to have time to get to my next. Oh, well, let's let's. I'll give you the quick version of my next yeah. breaking news story. So, have you been following the more redeeming situation down in Victoria? No. She's a new MP that started in a. Uh, that gave her maiden speech this year, mm-hmm. became a new member of parliament down there. She gave a fantastic maiden speech about the value of family. She was a teacher for 10 years. She's a um, successful woman. And she saw a lot of the issues in the school system with some of the curriculums coming through about, um, you know, some of the gender diversity things that are being put on young people. She felt a burden for um, uh, a whole bunch of family value stuff. She gave an amazing mo- uh, speech and she was actually just recently been expelled from, well, attempted to be expelled earlier on this year um, over attending a woman's rally because there was uh, some neo-Nazis crashed it and Nazis crashed it and they kind of associated Moira with oh. that. And so she, she's had a whole issue there. But in the latest instalment, she has um, suggested that she may take legal action over defamation. However, the leader of the Liberal Party down in Victoria, John Pizzuto, has just pushed ahead with the motion, a motion to again expel Moira Deemer. All the ads are calling deeming. All the ads are calling her controversial. You know, that's what mm-hmm, they do when mm-hmm. people have they're family trying. values. Yeah, <laughs> that's so <laughs> um, true, right? Controversial. And they're trying to push her out. So I think she's a warrior. She's a Christian warrior. Good for her. I'm going to be interested to see how this develops over the next little bit. Um, she's hold her, held her line, and I hope that she doesn't get treated too badly, but I guess we're going to have to wait and see um, where she's get, trying to get pushed out of her own party. Yeah, let's keep her in prayer. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, now we have another clue for our quiz, <laughs> and I am uh, – the last one was kind of – helping us out a bit but here's the next one it says i had those who falsely accused daniel along with their wives and children thrown into a lion's den okay this is giving it away isn't it um (laughs) getting good so if you think you know who this person is who i am who who am i if you think you know who it is you can call or text her to 0491 Zero six four six six nine, and get your name into the in the to the draw to win our Jungle Doctor series. Three books from that that is going to be drawn later on this morning, 
And so, yeah, text it through. We'd love to have you. Now, we have a very special guest today that I'm excited to introduce to you, uh, a friend of mine and a gentleman and a scholar, Dr. John Ashton. Are you with us, John? Yes, good morning. Hello, John. It's good to have you on air with us. Um, we, uh, we're so thankful that you've taken time to be with us. Um, for our listeners who may not know about you and what you do, could you just introduce yourself to us and uh, let us know a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, I work for uh, Sanitarium in their research uh, division. And um, I also uh, served uh, serve as an adjunct professor at the uh, RMIT University in Melbourne in uh, the area of the chemical sciences. Um, and uh, for a while I was an uh, adjunct professor of biomedical sciences at uh, Victoria University as well. And I'm married to Colleen. I have four adult children and six grandchildren. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we like to hear the professional and the personal because, um, yeah, we're all about supporting families and, and all of that sort of thing. So thanks thanks for, um, yeah, just sharing a little bit about yourself there. Now, I know I've read a book of yours, Evolution Impossible. We've done some panels together at different times, and I know that you're a, mm. uh, a veteran on creation ministries and looking at evidence that is in there in the world that supports our under the biblical view of creation. And so... Um, you've just been an absolute blessing and a warrior in this area, in the world at large, but also to me personally. And I know that, um, yeah, you, you've got a lot to share on those topics, and you, we've invited you to share a little bit around that and um, how it's connected to the brain and all of those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, we'd love to hear um, some thoughts from you on those things. Yeah, so uh, just recently, actually, I was listening to a lecture by Dr. Neil Nedley on, um, and he runs uh, programs on depression and anxiety recovery. And it's very interesting, um, these, uh, the attributes of the brain, of course, how the brain can be damaged, but the structure of the brain is absolutely amazing. Um, we, uh, as a matter of fact, I was uh, looking uh, on the Max Planck uh, <clears throat> Institute in Germany's website with regard to the brain uh, recently too, and it says it's uh, you know one of the most complicated or the most complicated machine. And it's interesting the wording that they use that nature has created. So it, it's fascinating that the you know the secular world uh, talks about you know, things being engineered or created, but they don't want to recognize uh, the creator. Yeah. And um, it, it, it's fascinating to talk about there's, you know, in the order of 100 million cells in the brain. And there, and when we look at the brain cells, there are thousands of different types of brain cells that constitute and make up the different components of the, the brain. And then, of course, we have all the subsections uh, of the brain uh, that are there, the pineal gland and the pituitary gland, all these sort of uh, different parts of the of the brain that control our body functions. But even the, the structure of the, of the cells, like the, the neurons, uh, the little nerve cells in our brain, the amazing uh, structures of, uh, you know, the centre of the cell that has the nucleus and the DNA and um, 
the different, uh, you know, machinery. Uh, that again, just as the basic machinery of the cell and then the axion uh, that takes um, a whole lot of uh, the information holes in the little dendrites at the end. And so you've got one part of the cell that receives information. You've got another part that sends the information out. You've got the components that take um, chemicals that are carrying information and then these uh, reach the nerve cells and are converted into electrical impulses. Um, there's all this amazing machinery and evolutionists have to believe that this amazing machinery that is all coordinated and so complex, as I said, you know, nearly in the order of 100 uh, billion brain cells, not 100 million, if I said that, 100 billion brain cells, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, and the amazing structure, all these components work together, the chemistry, um, the electrical circuitry of the brain, and the different types of cells that have different functions that control different parts of our body, like the motor neurons and so forth. Um, and it was interesting, I was uh, watching another talk by... Um, uh, uh, professor John Lennox, who's a oh, professor yes. of mathematics at uh, the University of Oxford, and one of the things that he's, uh, and of course he's a very he's very strong in the fact that there must have been a creator God as well, and a very strong Christian. And um, uh, he was saying that he talks to his uh, you know atheist uh, colleagues that don't believe in a creator, and he says to them, look. If your brain was the product of random um, sort of mutations, um, would you really trust that it was logical? Would you really trust a machine that had been made just by random processes? <laughs> um, Cheeky and logical. And, and he said that uh, not one of his colleagues would trust a machine that was made just by random processes. Uh, as being logical and, you know, consistent. And it, it, it's amazing that it's, um, with its amazing, as we're delving more and more into the brain, understanding more its, its, its chemistry and circuitry and the functions of the different parts of the brain, that uh, people still believe that this amazing machine that we have in our bodies arose by chance, and um, and of course, there's a whole problem of consciousness as, as well. Because if we look at evolution, and people and Darwinian evolution is based on random mutations affecting the DNA code. The DNA code is a again a molecule that encodes uh, the uh, using uh, a language. Uh, encodes the information to make all the different cells of our body um, and all the different parts of our liver, our heart, our bones, our skin and so forth and our brain. And <clears throat> how evolution works, it is claimed, is that that, uh, that code is made up of a number of uh, uh, chemical uh, compounds that uh, can be read that and the, the combination of those compounds constitutes 
the letters of a code. So just like in English, we have 26 letters, A, B, C, D, E, et cetera. And uh, those codes are placed in order so that we can write the word apple, A-P-P-L-E, and um, our brain interprets that as uh, when we read that in a book, we can picture an apple, and that's that's the information, or if it was in French, P-O-M-M-E. A couple of fascinating things is that whether it's P-O-M-M-E or A-P-P-L-E, it doesn't look anything like an apple. It's a code. It's our mind then converts that code. Um, and we could have uh, we could have some information there. We could say, peel the apple. And we know that that's something that uh, we would have to do. And uh, we might have extend it and say, you know, take a knife and peel the apple. Uh, and so that's information. So the same thing in our body. Our body has this um, uh, code uh, that makes all our different parts. And, of course, we, um, if we were going to do that, we would need a machine. We would need, say, a little robot uh, with a little blade on it and uh, some way of holding the apple um, and then operating and moving the little blade to, uh, to assemble it, uh, to peel it. And it's the same thing in our body. We have a molecular machine called a ribosome, which takes that code and then assembles all the different uh, proteins and uh, uh, you know compounds that we then get from food that our body has made. It's taken out of the food we have eat. It's broken the food up into little basic components, and that then circulates uh, around to the cells. Then um, this, uh, the ribosome then takes those components and assembles them according to that code to make the new new part. Now we have to believe that you know that all that amazing process and the ribosome itself is a little molecular machine with over three hundred thousand atoms in it. That uh, the the structure of which was only discovered in two thousand and seven. And we have to believe that all those things arose by chance. But that's just mechanical chemistry part of us. When we come to our brain, right, um, we have an additional component. And I often ask people, uh, say in a lecture, uh, move your little finger. And uh, people can choose to move their little finger or not wiggle your little finger. And then I say, now, how did you move your little finger? And they said, with our brain. And I think, well, okay, does your brain have mass? I say, yes, and that's correct, yes. Where our brain has mass, we can weigh it on a balance. We, if, well, assumably after we died, the people did this, they could cut it out, weigh it on a balance, measure it, squash it into a measuring cylinder and measure its volume. But really, how did you move your little finger? Your brain didn't move your little finger. Your thoughts moved your little finger. And I ask, can you weigh your thoughts? No, you can't weigh your thoughts. You can't take your thoughts and put them in a measuring cylinder and measure their volume. Our thoughts are non-material. So, again, the uh, evolution, the theory of evolution, because it just works on random mutations to the code, in other words, it says instead of uh, peeling an orange with uh, your robot, um, peel a banana or something like that, uh, it changes in all these little mutations so that you can 
make, um, you know, it says that that's how the, the code changed slowly and we developed, you know, from fish fins to, to legs and all this sort of thing. I mean, it's really, when you think about the, the chemistry and the science involved, it's so ridiculous. And it's never been observed, those sort of new body parts arising from changes in the code because the codes are so complicated. But they can't explain the origin of the brain or the, of thoughts and consciousness. And this is another fascinating thing that, that we are conscious, that God has given us this consciousness. And that's who we are, our, our thoughts. And so that's another fascinating aspect. Wow. Of the brain. The brain takes our non-material thoughts, who we are, this consciousness, and actually converts those thoughts into mechanical movements. So our thoughts, when, when you rang my phone this morning and I chose to press the answer button, that was a conscious choice that I had to make. And uh, I may have you know, chosen not to answer the phone. But when I made that choice in my brain, in my thoughts, my non-material thoughts, those thoughts enable me to move my arm and press my little finger on the button. So those non-material thoughts affected electrical impulses in my brain. And this, this whole study of how consciousness arose. Now, evolution cannot explain consciousness. That's really and, amazing. Uh, it's just, it's it is, just it's mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, it, it's very profound. And I think the sad thing to this too is that so many people take in chemicals such as alcohol, which affects our brain and affects our ability of consciousness to affect <laughs> our brain. And that's why people do make really crazy decisions and can do really, really silly things um, as a result of, say, for example, drinking alcohol or, or taking drugs. And um, it's sad that alcohol consumption during, uh, for example, uh, pregnancy is the number one cause of brain damage in the world today. Wow. And um, so, again, we know that chemicals can, and these chemicals affect our brain and how our brain operates. But to think that such an amazing structure um, with, as I said, hundred million, you know, nearly 100 billion cells are in that order um, of with thousands of different types of cells all arranged in specific structures so it works. To wow. me, it's just absolutely powerful evidence of an amazing supernatural creator God. Thank you so um, much, Dr. John. It's, um, yeah, it's just amazing to hear about how all of these parts of our brain testify of a creator God. And we've been learning about that in our Bible studies this week. And, um, yeah, I would just really appreciate your time and thank you for sharing with us. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.